Welcome to the DigiSoc podcast. My name is David Geerts, and in this podcast, I will be interviewing researchers from the KU Leuven Digital Society Institute about how their research contributes to a positive digital society. Today, I am talking to Rani van Schoors. Rani graduated in 2019 at Ghent University as a Master of Science in Pedagogical Sciences with a focus on Educational Sciences. After she obtained her master's degree, she joined the ITEC Research Group at Keleuve Campus Kulak and the Center for Instructional Psychology and Technology, or CIPNT, at Keleuve as a PhD student on the iLearn project. In this research, she has studied the potential of digital personalized learning in Flemish elementary and secondary schools, with a specific focus on the teacher in all five studies of her PhD. This is the topic we will also explore further in today's episode. Welcome, Rani. Hi, David. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, I've never uh, done a podcast, so I'm very excited to be here today. That's great to hear. <laughs> okay, so let's let's dive in because uh, digital personalized learning is a very broad uh, topic, I uh, can imagine. Uh, so can you first, uh, for listeners, briefly say what the research was about? Because I think you finished uh, it, uh, your PhD recently. Um, and then how you think that it contributes to a positive digital society. Yes, so uh, my research uh, was about digital personalized learning, which means that uh, students learn in an environment that is digital and that adapts to their needs. And uh, we focused specifically on the teacher and how they can use this in a real life classroom. Um, I think it contributes to the society as we're moving more and more into the digital spheres. And sometimes uh, teachers encounter these technology pushes, pushes which they're not ready for. And so we want to counter a bit of that uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and your focus specifically, as I said in the introduction, is elementary and secondary schools. Yes, uh, yes, because uh, I'm also uh, working within the iLearn project. So my PhD is part of uh, iLearn, uh, mm-hmm. which is a project of the Flemish government, which wants to bring uh, digital personalized learning or DPL, as I will uh, say briefly from uh-huh. now on, uh, into the classrooms in, in Flanders. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Before we talk about the research itself, uh, why did you choose to do research on this topic? Yeah, well, uh, as a master student, I was very triggered by new technology. Um, at that moment in time, I was uh, studying virtual rea- virtual reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always had this interest in innovative technology and how it's implemented in education. So when I saw the vacancy for uh, doing a study on digital personalized learning to bring it to uh, to examine that potential and to bring it to real life classrooms, I was very triggered and determined to go for it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, great. Yeah, so new technologies in the classroom. I think this is a very hot uh, yeah. topic, uh, definitely. Um, can can you maybe uh, talk a little bit, and then we'll, we'll we'll look into the results as well about the different uh, activities that you uh, did in your research. I, I talked in the intro about five. Yeah. Uh, different studies. Uh, yeah. You can, of course, uh, choose a couple to focus a bit more on, but you think, okay, there are the most mm-hmm. interesting results. But can you talk a little bit about your approach? Um, yeah, I will maybe give a short overview and mm-hmm. the context in which we did these studies. So, um, when examining the potential of digital personalized learning in education, we really looked at four different challenges and we saw that there 
are difficulties with conceptualization. So there are a lot of different terms and definitions regarding DPL, mm-hmm. um, but also operationalization. There are a lot of different tools with a lot of different um, um, adaptivity uh, possibilities. The impact is also not really clear. It's really ambiguous. Um, uh, yeah, it's really not that clear in, um, in in studies. And the implementation, it's it's not really implemented in schools already today. So w- studies don't really focus on implementation, and they tend to forget the teacher in this uh, whole um, yeah uh, study. So mm-hmm. we want to tackle these four challenges by performing five studies, and we first did a systematic review where we really dove into the literature. Uh, looked at the conceptualization, the tools, the impacts, and and also the implementation. And then in a second layer of our research, we looked at the teacher perceptions, needs, wishes. So we did that by doing focus group interviews and a large-scale survey. And then in a third layer, we really dove further into the field by um, designing our own tool together with teachers, relying on their needs and wishes. Mm-hmm. And we also, um, yeah, we, we implemented the tool. So we gave it to teachers, but not really saying upfront how the teachers should use it. So we, we didn't give some instructions on how to use it. Um, so we saw very different things happening and that's uh, the end study of my PhD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay, very interesting that, that you also developed something and then test it out and, and see how, how, how people really use it in practice. Yeah. Uh, but maybe let's let's go to the beginning first and because you said indeed, yeah, there's a not very clear what DPL is then specifically. Um, yeah. So maybe you can shed some light on that then. What, yeah. what do we understand with uh, when we talk about digital personalized learning. Yeah, so um, in the systematic review, we looked at uh, different concepts that were used um, regarding learning, uh, the digital aspect. So many authors use computer-based or um, uh, an, an intelligent tutor system or all these things that relate to the digital aspect. And then there are also um, different concepts used for the digital uh, for the uh, personalized aspect. So, mm-hmm. for example, you have the uh, adaptive tools or personalized tools, but those are those two things are not the same, and they are used interchangeably. So it's not really clear, and we dove a little bit deeper into that. But also with regard with regard to the definition, um, there are a lot of different definitions that are used, and we looked at the similarities between these definitions, and based on these similarities, we created one. Um, comprehensive definition that most authors, I think, would agree with. So, mm-hmm. um, how was that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what um, we're interested in. Yeah, um, what? Uh, um, so. I will maybe summarize it a bit sure, because sure. it's a long uh, yeah. definition, uh, but it's it's um, based on two different um, uh, parts. So the first part is about digital personalized learning itself, and that's uh, an, an it's different from conventional conventional learning, and it's uh, taking place in a digital personalized learning aspect or learning environment that really focuses on the um, the the differences of students, and they can change uh, the. Uh, they can change the learning environment based on these differences. So then the second part of the definition comes into place. 
and it states that um, the adaptivity, so we talk about the adaptivity in the second part, is based on different characteristics of students, which can be cognitive, non-cognitive. It's based on, um, it can be controlled by different actors, for example, the learning environment itself, uh, the, the, the student, but the, the teacher also. And um, it's also, we also say that it can be strengthened if teachers really use the data that comes out of these tools um, more so it can be strengthened, this adaptivity. Mm -hmm. uh, that's also something that we say in the second part of the definition. So those are a bit of the highlights of the definition, um, but it's a really long definition. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. But it's good to summarize. And when, when I think of adaptivity, uh, that, that's, I don't know if... if I'm alone in that, or maybe others also have that. I mainly think of like that exercises get gradually more complex mm -hmm. when uh, the system yeah. notices that that I can handle more complex questions, or if I'm still struggling with some issues, that it kind of gives me some simpler. But what you're saying then is that it's much more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we saw in the systematic review was that there are a lot of tools that focus on difficulty of tasks, uh, but um, there are so also a lot of new newer tools that focus sometimes on the effective uh, characteristics of students and they uh, dive deeper into these different needs by uh, measuring with uh, physiolog physiological data for example so um, there are new tools coming that really yeah, yeah ha have exciting new tech uh, yeah. uh, adaptivity forms and how would they then adapt uh, what, what would they adapt, let's say, for, for the students? So if they notice that a student is more, I don't know, stressed, yeah, uh, probably? For example, more guidance or more... Um, there are also tools that uh, um, differ in presentation of, of tasks. So they get more abstract if, if uh, children show mastery of, of tasks. So mm -hmm. uh, that's, for example, something that can change. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah, there's much more to it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, than, than, uh, than at first sight, we might think. And, and then, if I can move to that part, you talked about operationalization, mm -hmm. uh, meaning like uh, the, the tools that exist. That was the second study? or um... uh, It's the second uh, challenge. So oh, the we second saw, challenge? Yeah, 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 yeah. we yeah. saw that uh, there are a lot of tools and sometimes it's also not clear for teachers how to find the right tool for the right moment, for the right student, for the right... Uh, course, so it's always a bit, uh, yeah, difficult if you want to find tools, um, mm -hmm. and there are not a lot of tools that are available in Flemish <laughs> uh, education. So that's also something that's difficult for teachers sometimes. But we we do see that that the classes get more uh, uh, diverse, so it's really a need that there uh, that tools could bring some yeah. support to teachers to deal with this. So uh, yeah. and how did you address that? Yeah, um, we looked at uh, teachers needs and wishes regarding the operationalization of tools so we um, we asked what what would they like uh, as, as uh, adaptivity uh, uh, or for example we also discussed dashboards um, and how they would like to manage the learning process of children more uh, what data would they use um, and based on, on on those insights we saw that teachers were very um, yeah, happy with or, or very enthusiastic about uh, adaptivity, but there were some concerns as well, um, uh, and and we really try to tackle every aspect of different types of tools and and take into account uh, the needs and wishes. For example, we saw that teachers were really looking for um, tools that. Uh, 
can be used for computational thinking uh, because, for example, for programming, there mm. uh, there's a lot of diversity between students. Uh, some uh, uh, took part in after-school initiatives and already have some prior knowledge, but others really start from zero. So teachers find it really difficult to deal with that in, 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 in large class groups. And they said that uh, DPL tools would be really good for, for this um, context. And that's something that we took into account in uh, later in, in, in the PhD when we created our own tool uh, mm -hmm. because we created a tool for programming in the first grade of secondary education um, where there is a learning trajectory uh, and, and students go from visual to hybrid to textual programming uh, on their own uh, personalized pathway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Then, um, yeah, tell me if, if I'm if I'm skipping over steps that you would like to address, of course. Eh? But uh, then the third challenge, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly, was impact. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, we saw that in the systematic review. We, yeah, we always are a bit cautious when we're talking about impact and together with a systematic review because we didn't do a meta analysis, so mm -hmm. we cannot say anything about the impact. Uh, but we saw that most studies report a slightly positive trend in 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 learning um outcomes yeah outcomes yeah. and um yeah we always are a bit cautious about it because um we sometimes we saw that the design of these studies are are not really um, optimal because yeah. sometimes they um, compare a digital versus a non-digital tool uh a digital tool versus uh, pen and paper tasks mm. to really get this impact and show that there is an impact but we're not really a fan of those <laughs> designs oh, why uh, not? Uh, because uh, if you're using a tool um, you can already have uh, like an increase in motivation and then it's not because of the adaptivity within the tool or so you have to be really cautious when you're setting up a design uh, to measure the impact of yeah. adaptivity in, in general there's a lot of confounding factors yeah uh, yeah, yeah, often, yeah so uh, yeah so yeah. What, what would you need to do then set up study with a, a yeah. tool where you have the only thing that changes is the adaptivity in the tool. For yeah, example. for example, yeah. Uh, the same tool, but without the adaptivity and then the adaptivity of the tool uh, yeah. to groups. Yeah, that's but that's not something that you uh, did yourself as a study. No, I did not do that because um, uh, it was on the it, it was in the planning, uh, but we saw that the field was really it was yeah, it was not really a clear field and we just wanted to explore that first before we could go to the that step of, of uh, measuring the impact of DPL. We, we First, we wanted to have a clear vision on what is DPL, what is it for teachers. Mm -hmm. And also your, your tool can be uh, very good, but if teachers use it in another way, then yeah. So that's something that we wanted to address first, and uh, yeah, 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 we kept on going in that uh, direction. Yeah, yeah, and then, like you said uh, in the intro, you developed your own yeah tool. So yeah, please yeah. Uh, tell tell us more about that. Um, so the tool was made in the iLearn environment, uh, the project that I was telling you mm -hmm. about earlier. Um, it's a, it's a library, a bit like a Netflix library for teachers where they can see different tools and they can um, create their own learning tracks. And we, um, yeah, we created our own learning track in the library of iLearn and we used three tools. Uh, so we used um, FutureProof where students can program 
with blocks. So they don't have to know the code behind the blocks. And it's mm -hmm. an easy way to start with programming. And uh, students that didn't have really a lot of prior knowledge really started in that phase first. And then they, there is a second phase where they code in uh, Minecraft Education Edition. And there they see the code behind the blocks and they can adapt some uh, minors, minor things and um, then they see it changing in the code or vice versa they see it changing in the blocks so they get to know the, the syntax of the coding more and then in a later phase uh, students were led to Dodona uh, and there they really got um, simple but uh, yeah textual programming uh, tasks um, what is that? Dodona um, so it's uh, it's uh, from uh, uh, Ghent University mm -hmm. and uh, it's um, um, yeah it's like an environment where they can give in their own codes and then they can see if their code is right or they made an error and they can they get little um, tasks like uh, uh, print function or like really basic but it's really only textual yeah, so that's yeah, a bit yeah. harder for the ages in the in the first grade of secondary education yeah. where they are 12 to 14 years old so it's not really yeah. um yeah it's it's the harder advanced level so yeah so this were then the the, the three the levels yeah and, three and, levels and, and um if yeah. yeah students got uh got different key moments in the learning track and the key moments uh, push them towards their own learning track. If they, uh, some before, for example, for example, the first um, uh, key moment is a key moment that measures the prior knowledge, and then they were set on different tracks. Another key moment is where we ask students if they want more information about, uh, for example, a certain way, and if they want more information on that. And then we have another key moment where they check if students really were true to the true if they um, answered it correctly yeah. if they didn't overestimate it themselves uh, and then uh, we have all these key moments throughout the learning track to guide them on different um, yeah. and that's where tasks. the adaptivity yeah. takes place then um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah then we handed it to teachers to mm -hmm. implement it um, and we saw very different things happening so yeah uh, you said that you didn't have like a clear no. instructions no. for the teachers? No, because um, in the literature there's no uh, clear didactical principles on how to use DPL in a right way in your classroom. And uh, as a first step towards these didactical principles, we wanted to first explore how it's used and maybe learn something from different approaches. Um, and we had four cases of teachers, uh, two individual teachers and two co-teachers. Um, always one case with uh, a lot of programming knowledge and a case with less programming knowledge. And we saw that teachers really yeah, interacted with the tool in a different way. Uh, for example, there was one teacher that really worked together with the tool to personalize in the classroom and to give extra guidance to students. Uh, she made her own cube to visualize the X, Y, Z axis. And then she also visualized it in uh, Minecraft, for example. Mm -hmm. And then you had another uh, teacher that was sitting at the front of the classroom and said, like, uh, I'm going to implement this tool as a, as a, as a primary tool tutor but I will not um, intervene a lot so she was using the extra time to um, do some administrative work and to hand in points into a system and all these yeah, yeah. things so uh, we saw very different things yeah, yeah. yeah. and did you what, what did you do with those different things that yeah. you see um, we mapped them on a, on a um, um, a continuum 
mm-hmm. because we wanted to visualize these different um, approaches in terms of personalization. Uh, and we we um, there was one uh, model that we used as as inspiration, and it's the model um, of uh, Molinar, and she says there are six uh, different. Uh, phases of automation so you have like the teacher controlled in the beginning but at the end you have the fully uh, technology controlled uh, personalization Mm -hmm. and in the middle there are some interactions between the tool and the teacher and we use this model as to to really form our continuum and the teacher that for example was sitting at front of the classroom we placed her more towards the fully technology um driven personalization but the teacher that was uh, really working together with the tool we placed her more in the middle and um, we had like this new concept for uh, approaches like that Uh, we call it the teacher technology nexus so there's really this um, this uh, the teacher they are working really together the collaboration Mm -hmm. between the two and when they can both rely on each other in this in um, equally so they they have the same responsibilities the tool and the teacher then we call it synergy Uh, so that's the teacher technology continuum and in between you have the teacher technology interaction with the synergy okay as an idea yeah yeah (laughs) do you um do you place any value on on which is better than the other or Um, or is that do you take like a neutral stance no that's a it's a good question because um I can only say something about this if I know the tool, if I can see if the tool is working in an mm-hmm. okay manner, because if the tool is not really good, if the adaptivity is not really good or it, it's it's a contaminated adaptivity and it doesn't function really good, then we want the teacher to intervene a lot and we want to, them to go to the end of the continuum towards the teacher-driven personalization. But if I see that the tool is really good i think we can move more towards the middle mm-hmm. and um, we can yeah teachers trust the tool and everything is okay on that aspect and we can go more to the middle so yeah. it's uh, depending on the tool and the context and yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. okay and and specifically for your tool would would um yeah um the i i think that the, the adaptivity was um it was rather simple because it was rule-based, but it was really a good predictor of, of, of students' um, um, skills. So we saw that students were always on a good track and they drive, they, they, they did good things in the, in the tracks. And um, so we, we, I don't think that we, there was uh, difficulties with the adaptivity, but I think the adaptivity within our tools could be more sophisticated. We could go to learn uh, machine learning adaptivity in the tool. And then I would say, that it's uh, more okay to go to the middle, but we already saw a teacher moving towards the middle of the continuum. So I think um, it's a tool that we can use to go more to the synergy, mm-hmm. but still maybe a teacher uh, that the teacher, teacher yeah, 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 yeah. Let's uh, let's let's move a bit uh, towards the more the more general implications of yeah. your research and and uh, and the first question is and of course i mean i think we already touched a little bit upon that but who do you think will benefit from from your research yeah 
um, yeah, for mainly the teacher because we handed mm -hmm. them a lot of mental tools to get a grip on what is digital personalized learning um, and, and how can we use it in the classroom or what do we have to think about when we want to implement it. So I think the teacher especially, but um, we also like to think about the quadruple helix, uh, which is like a collaboration between four stakeholders. It's the mm -hmm. government who makes these trainings for teachers, who really guides that stuff. And then we have the, the software developers who can take into teachers, can take into account teachers' uh, opinions, preferences, because we also did it to build the tool and I can really um, give the advice to work together with teachers so your tool mm -hmm. is 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 uh, is ready for it to be implemented and it's based on needs and it's uh, yeah, yeah. so that's uh, also one and then researchers I think um, there was a um, it was very beneficial to um, work together with models from the literature and then yeah place them next to the needs of teachers and and bring it to teachers as well to try to think about certain topics like adaptivity within a tool yeah. um, and then the teachers themselves uh, so just those four actors i really want to take into account in in all this yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. all these studies and, and the, the students themselves or, or pupils yeah yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, I, I think the students themselves are also very uh, important to take into account because they can also um have an influence on the teacher technology nexus. If mm -hmm. you have a student with not a lot of knowledge about ICT, then the, the teacher will be mainly focused on solving these technical problems with the students. So there's not a lot of room for didactical um, personalization, I think. So they definitely have an influence on this. Uh, yeah, and not whole, just the influence. I yeah. think the, it's also the, the, the benefits, I would assume, that yeah. the, the ultimate goal of, of having these tools is that in the end, the teacher can deliver better education yeah. uh, or, or education better adapted to the students or pupils so that they will have the, the most benefit from yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would of assume. Course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, if I understand correctly, that was not, uh, although of course that has a benefit, it's not, it was not the main focus of um, your inquiry or research. No, but we did take them into account when uh, we designed the tool, uh, we tested it out with students and asked mm -hmm. them what they, th what they yeah. thought about it. So we took them into account yeah, in, yeah, in one yeah. student. Can you give a general idea of what what was their response? Did they like it or were there also people that said, oh, no, I don't want this? Uh, yeah, they really liked it, uh, especially the Minecraft part uh, <laughs> was uh, um, yeah, very positive. Uh, but what we saw was that some students that were misunderstood sometimes as the, the harder students that never listen or something like that, they were really thriving in those uh, learning environments. And uh, sometimes teachers were like, um, I didn't expect this. Uh, they working very individually. Um, so yeah. I, I, that was something that I will always remember from that study that was very... Uh, okay, that's yeah, interesting. interesting. So you yeah. really like that that you can capture the attention of, uh, of, of, of students, students that maybe yeah. um, are, are otherwise difficult to, uh, yeah, yeah, to yeah. reach. Uh, okay. Um, I think that also leads already a little bit in the next question where, where we talk about values because when designing technology, uh, yeah. which, which is also what you're doing here, of course, and studying and so on, there's always values that, that are at play, um, either explicitly or maybe implicitly. Mm -hmm. so, so which values do you think are embedded in your uh, research activities or outcomes? Yeah. Um, 
again, I'm looking toward the teacher, uh, but I think uh, teachers empowerment and really mm -hmm. augment them. That's a new concept that is getting more and more uh, um, popular in, in the DPL literature. Um, but yeah, augmentation of teachers, it's something that came from this big discussion in the in the field. So there are these enthusiasts that say uh, DPL will yeah, uh, take over everything and uh, teachers will be replaced. And then you have the skeptics that say, no, it's not, not happening. This technology, it's just a hype and it will go away. And in the middle, there are the DPL thinkers that say, um, we have to acknowledge these challenges, but also look at the potential that the new technology is, is bringing towards us. And uh, they really think about uh, bringing the teacher and the technology together to augment them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. something that I was thinking about for this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, when when talking about empowerment and and and, um, and augmenting and and technology specifically, there's always the question of the people that are less inclined to use technology, or maybe people that are a bit afraid of using technology how how does that play in the the dpl literature or specifically yeah. have you encountered that as well um i've i've seen it in the literature um specifically towards the teacher trust in tools um mm -hmm. also their voice and choice in in when it comes to these tools so the literature is moving more and more towards collaboration with teachers because if you take teachers into account at the beginning of your research when you when you really make these tools, um, then they are more interested in using it in their classroom or they are n less afraid because they know mm -hmm. already what's uh, what, what the tool is about and how the tool works and so. So we also try to take that into account in our uh, studies by doing the collaboration when we developed the tool yeah. and also when we implemented it and we always thought of the teacher in, in our studies and it's something that I'm seeing more and more in the literature so yeah, yeah. yeah. so not just the top down here no, is the no, tool, no. you have to use it now and no we're long past yeah. that uh, yeah, just yeah. giving a list of tools to teachers saying these are good tools that's not the way to go you have to really think about needs wishes preferences uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and include them in uh, include them yes in, yeah. in the discussion and, and the implementation yeah, uh, yeah, yeah interesting um, Looking a, a, a bit further in, in the future, um, because yeah, your PhD has just finished. Of course, it's within the iLearn uh, mm -hmm. project, um, so I assume there's some visibility. Uh, but before we, we tackle that of, of, of how to create the impact is, what would a future society look like where, um, yeah, based on your research, let's say, uh, what, what would you like the future uh, to, to look like? Yeah. Um I believe our, our research is, is part of a big complex puzzle. So the quest to deal with students' differences, it will always be there. It, it was mm -hmm. always there already uh, to begin with. So I hope we provided some corner pieces by bringing the definition to give a bit of clarity in the field so that other authors can build on it, but also teachers can build on it, know what to expect. So I hope that we provided some corner pieces mm -hmm, of the puzzle mm -hmm. that uh, that can be built upon yeah, further. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and would let's say if if um, in the future everything would go as as you would hope that it would go based yeah. on your research and like unlimited resources and possibilities uh, what would that be then would it be i mean i can imagine for example it's that you would say 
uh, every student or pupil or whatever yeah. they are, they will have their own personalized trajectory based on their, like, not just their cognitive abilities, but also, uh, yeah. like you said, maybe uh, emotional state and so on. And they really have their own personalized track. Is, is that uh, a direction that would be... Uh, yeah. worth going to the, i think that the tools are, are have a long way to go uh, mm -hmm. but if they invest in, in good adaptivity and they take into account uh, different contexts we will see better tools coming into the classroom but i will never say that the teacher will be replaced or something mm -hmm. like yeah, that so yeah, i yeah, always yeah. see this teacher technology synergy going yeah. uh, on and I, i hope we move more towards that and um, i also hope that we uh, take teachers more into into account when we when we uh, research these this topic and uh, i hope teachers will be more armed when they are having this new technology push because we had chat gpt but there will be many more to come and mm -hmm. i hope we can arm them a bit and uh, take them into this uh, this cycle of, of technology pushes and yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, and and do you have any activities uh, um, that that you are planning to to make sure that the the research doesn't stay within your PhD um, book, uh, let's say, or, or uh, within the university, uh, how, how do you aim to create real-life impact? Um, so the tool is there to to help. We made this tool. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it yeah. can be accessed anytime. Uh, also, the, the different concepts uh, I will take mm -hmm. further into research now um, because I will do a postdoc about AI in education and Um, in iTech, our uh, research group, it's uh, very important to work together with teachers and to create new things together with teachers. So, for example, there I will I, I can take into account these new concepts and show them and give them these tools to work with. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And the iLearn platform is is there? Um, you said it the the Netflix you called it yeah, yeah, of yeah. of these uh, adaptable tools. Um, this is also accessible. Um, yeah, it's uh, accessible uh, for. Uh, you just have to subscribe as a school, and then it's accessible for teachers. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it's a project. Uh, it's it's coming to an end soon, uh, but there there will be. Soon I will. I think there will be news about how iLearn will uh, live on and and how oh, yeah. the government will make it uh, uh, further accessible for teachers. So um, yeah. So yeah. the goal is that it will will remain available then after the project. Um, ends. That's the goal, but I yeah. don't really know what decisions were uh, or yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. what the decision will be on that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> okay. Good, yeah, thank you. That was a very interesting conversation. I learned especially that, and, and I think that's a positive thing, that it's not technology that needs to be in control, that there's really like a, a synergy collaboration between teacher and technology, and that gives the best results. Uh, but of course, in order to do that, that we need to really involve the teachers themselves in the design implementation and, yeah. and, and all discussion uh, around that. I hope that's a good yeah, summary. Yeah, that's a very yeah. good summary. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, thank you Rani for this uh, very interesting conversation. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digisoc podcast, in which we share research and insights from the K. Leuven Digital Society Institute. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Rani van Schoors about her research on digital personalized learning. Her work is just a small part of a larger conversation on how we can create a positive digital society. Be sure to join us next time for more discussions with Digisoc researchers. Until then, stay curious and critical about the digital world around us.